You are listening to Drop Tent Media Network. Uh, my undocumented ass podcast. With Che Guerrero. The winds really change talk. in one direction, they gotta harass someone else. I get it, I get exactly. it. Like, people don't realize how just one little access can literally change a whole family's life. Hey, welcome to another episode of My Undocumented Ass Podcast. We got a great episode for you today. I sit down with immigration lawyer Arvin Science. He talks about serving in Iraq in 2006, walking from Mexico with his mother, even though he is a U.S. citizen. And he talks about the Ukraine-Russia conflict from an immigration lawyer standpoint. Check it out. It's a great episode. Where, where are you at? Where are you from? Uh, I'm from originally... El Paso, Texas. Okay. Uh, but right now, and I guess for the last uh, seven years, I've been in Dallas. Oh, you've been in Dallas. Okay. Yeah. yeah I was just in Austin for the first time. And uh, I got to tell you, because um, I grew up in the North, you know, I grew up undocumented. And this one thing I, I, I came to realize, you know, living in the North, the undocumented experience, especially like the immigrant experience, it's like, it's very different up North. Like when I went down to closer to the border, you, you felt the tension like all the time yeah um well it depends where you go in the south so if you go if you were to go to el paso it's very um uh it's very mexican to be honest i mean <laughs> you're, you're in the minority <laughs> yeah you're in the minority if you don't speak spanish yeah. down there and austin i think it's probably the best city from you know in texas yeah. it's like the uh most liberal city you'll find and it happens to be in Texas. It's it's really an oxymoron. It, it makes no sense. No, I know. It felt it felt really cool because I went down there to do like you know this benefit for like undocumented people, and it was it was really cool to see the different kind of people that you didn't you wouldn't I, I didn't expect them to be supportive of our community, but I was like, holy crap, you guys are here, rich white folk coming out here to support. Okay, cool. That that's really cool. Like you know, yeah, it's it's crazy because you know. Like I get a lot of um, Trump supporters, we'll say, and and like diehard uh, conservatives that are like clients of mine, because they want to help. You know, they want to help their wife fix, or they want to help their their worker Pablo fix, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And and um, they themselves like uh, end up becoming more acceptant of the immigrant community um, because they figure out they've figured out what we all know. What all of us have known is that. Immigrants really contribute quite a bit to the economy. And so uh, once they get to know these people, then um, uh, then they make up a different excuse for supporting Trump. But in any event, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, of course, of course. They, yeah, they... Uh, I just care about the economy, you know, but but it it's in the in in the bigger cities like Houston, Dallas, uh, San Antonio, Paso and all that. Um, it's typically very liberal and very people accept immigrants. It's once you start driving to the outskirts where it gets a little weird, but it's because these people don't really know what they're talking about. They, they literally don't know what they're talking about. And that, that's just what it is, man. We're, we're going through the change right here. I mean, we're like 70 years back right here compared to where you guys are at in the North. Well, what says like in the, like kind of being more accepting of like the immigration and stuff like that. Say, say that again. You're saying like being more accepting of like immigrants stuff like that, like 70 years behind kind of. Yeah. I mean, it, 
more accepting in 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 every way possible i mean um just in the way you get treated uh as as a client as a customer yeah as a consumer as someone that's been investigated for a crime um some of the things that i see here uh, there are a lot of racist police out here man super racist police and they don't hide it at all i mean they they see a brown person they call ice immediately even if that person is american that's the that's the messed up part yeah and um yeah, it, it's one big thing right here for Republicans when they whenever they want to posture themselves up for election. Yeah, they, they want to be hard on uh, on immigration. But and we have we have a governor that thinks he's an immigration officer. He's dispatched um, the National Guard yeah. to stop the influx of people coming in. Um, and it, it really makes no sense. I mean, they want to use state laws to enforce immigration laws. Um, well, this is like a perfect. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's kind of like perfect because it's kind of baffling when everything is going on with Ukraine, and seeing how much. This is the first time I ever heard this phrase, humanitarian corridor. Corridor. I've never heard that before. Uh, if if I'm mistaken, please correct me. You're you are the immigration lawyer. Apparently, these countries have come together in the EU and been like, let's let's make the process as easy as possible. Let's have these Ukrainians, like, hop over people who have been waiting in line for months. So they can get. So how does like how are you feeling right now as an immigration lawyer, seeing what's going over going on, going on over in Europe? Well, I feel that there's a lot of hypocrisy, right? We ourselves are criticizing the um, uh, the colonization and an imperial expansion of a of a of a despotic regime when we ourselves have done the same thing in states like Hawaii and Puerto Rico and things like that. So. Uh, you can't you can't be an immigration lawyer and not understand where all the laws come from and where xenophobia originally comes from. So being an immigration attorney is really tied to human rights and, and understanding um, sovereign sovereignty. So there's a lot of hypocrisy going on right now. Um, but from the perspective of a current practitioner, um, I, I feel and I would say 99% of attorneys in my in my bar we all feel that you it wouldn't be necessarily cutting the line because humanitarian paroles are given to anyone exactly for these types of situations. Oh, of course, of course. We're doing it for Venezuelans. We have laws in place to help Cubans as well. Here's the crazy part, though. Here's a crazy part. If we were to accept Ukrainians, let's say somehow Ukrainians made it to Mexico and then they yeah. came in. I mean, we would accept them with open doors and, and we and we would we would parole them right in and we give them welfare and all kinds of stuff uh, while that they're caravan you know, from from Venezuela to Mexico with Ukrainians would have been, you know, guided by the military. Like, come on in. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It would it would be a very different tone. Right. They would be accepted. They would be considered refugees. Um, but whenever Nicaraguans do it. Or, or Hondurans or, or people from other countries, whenever they do it, it's an invasion. Yeah. So it, it's very hard for me to, um, uh, to, to see that there would be, there is a double standard. Um, anytime it's a, it, it's a, it's a European country, it's a white country, then we're like very um, uh, ready to yeah. coddle them. But, you know, same things happening in, in, in South America and, and in Africa. I mean, there's bombardments going on in Africa right yeah. now. Yeah. And, and we're very concerned about this one issue. I think 
I don't want to like all lives matter this issue, you know, and yeah, say yeah, you know, yeah. all countries matter. Yeah. But but that's basically what it is. I mean, I just realized that that is kind of like like like, hey, all countries matter. And then people are like, I thought we weren't supposed to do that. And like, I know, but <laughs> but yeah, it is frustrating. It is it is is absolutely right. And it, it, yeah. it, and I see everybody do the same thing that you and I are doing, which is like, we're not saying that we don't love Ukrainians and that they shouldn't get this kind of spec, but we're saying why not the others? And it's really hard. Yeah, they need to get in the back of the line yeah, like man, everyone else. <laughs> Wait it out. Other wars have been started long before yours. No, I, th I think the Ukrainians, the, the issue with uh, the Ukraine is uh, it, it does take priority, I think, because everything happened so abruptly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is literally like we're seeing it. No one can deny that what's going on over there, it's not done um, clandestinely over several decades or whatever. We literally saw this guy overnight threaten the whole world with nuclear uh, attacks. Yeah. And, and I mean, he, he's really affecting all of us. So I have no problem with the Ukrainians, with, with us doing a, uh, a humanitarian mission and bringing all the Ukrainians. I think, I think that's the least that we can do. But at the most that we can do is just, you know, have our own military uh, intervention. And that's a different topic, a different but topic, in, ca yeah. in case you didn't know, I'm also yeah. a, co a combat veteran. I'm, I'm a Marine. Are you really? And, and, yeah. Oh, and I so, didn't know that. No, I mean, I, I think you from, you know, your, your immigration TikToks and, and having uh, interviews with other, uh, I saw you with Carlos Espinosa. I think you guys did something recently, right? Uh, yeah, we did the uh, March um, on February 14th, um, Un Dia Sin Inmigrantes, yeah. uh, a day without immigrants. Um, uh, I, I think I've taken the posture of being his like right-hand immigration guy. If ever, if he, if he ever has questions on immigration, he's a real smart, uh, young man. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't talk out of his ass before he, he decides to take a stance on an issue. He'll like text me or we'll call and he'll be like, what do you think about this? And I'll give him my opinion and then he'll form his own opinions. And he tends to be on point like 99% of the time. So Definitely a future congressman or senator right oh there. Oh my sure. gosh, that is that's the kind of that's the kind of spirit I, I wanna like embody because I'm very I'm still very much like, hey, white people, and they go, What? And I'm like, never mind, I was gonna say something, but forget it. Like, you know what I mean? I'm still like I have the spirit in me, but I gotta follow through the way the way that he does. So um I didn't realize you had served. When when did you serve? Did you did you go over yeah, um, I joined in 2001 and oh, I got out in I got out honorably in 2007. Okay. Um, and I did a tour in Iraq in pretty much all of 2005. Okay. Well, did, did you join in 2001 because of 9/11 or had you had you joined before and then Well, it it wasn't because of 9/11, but I was recruited because of 9/11. So I didn't grow up in a very uh, privileged area in El Paso. And so you'll see that during times when the war machine has to uh, uh, stockpile bodies, uh, they will recruit um, in the barrios, they'll, they'll recruit in the ghettos because we're just so much more impressionable and, and we're just very eager to, to, you know, have some money in our pocket yeah. and, and they, they go about it that angle. Yeah. So for me, at least, it was from the angle that that uh, I would, you know, go to college and I would be in the military. So I joined the reserve okay. and, and then they BS you by saying that, oh, you know, the reserves, they never get called upon. And and look what happened in 9-11. Not a single reservist got called. And and then 
And then we ended up going to Iraq, which was crazy. Wow. Um, and like every reservist has been called at least a couple times. <laughs> How many months were you out there? Um, the deployment was a year. So I was, I was on orders for a year. And then for most of that year, I was, I was out there in, um, a little town called Ar Ramadi, which is like a little, it's a little outskirt of Baghdad. Okay. Were you like, what was, what was like your, your job out there? Uh, we had various jobs. I had various jobs. Um, um, let's see. Hmm. Gotta be careful how I work this. Okay. Um, <laughs> So security stuff, yep, you know, man. just just security stuff. Um, uh, we had a couple of rights. Um, we had to uh, do right control. That's why, like, it's crazy when when um, I see like on the news um, the riots, like during Black Lives Matter, yeah. uh, the, the George Floyd, and uh, even the January Six riots. It's very easy for people to criticize the people with the batons and, 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 you know, in uniform and in gear and everything, mm. I guarantee you those guys are scared shitless. I know for a fact, yeah, because they know that they're outnumbered. Yeah, they, yeah. they know. So yeah, the yeah. only way that you can control a crowd is by showing that you're organized and, and will with well-synchronized tactical movements. Yeah. But if the other people uh, um, savvy up to the fact that, that they outnumber you a hundred to one, then you're really screwed. You're going to be, I mean, you're, you're going to be overrun. So I, I don't really, um, I, when, when I see riots on TV, I feel very bad for the people yeah. that are, are conducting the riots because probably half of them don't even give a flip about what's going on. Yeah. They're just doing their job. Yeah. yeah no, and, I... and, and they, and they don't have lethal weapons or yeah. anything like that. They're not like mowing people down. Yeah. And so that, that's how my brain works. I, 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 I was, kind of working for the government yeah. as a pawn for them. And so I've seen how everything functions, boots on the ground. And I went to law school and I started reading up on the laws and the history behind the laws. And it's like, I turned liberal, like yeah. in like six months, I, I just went, I just flipped. I went from conservative to liberal and yeah, man, it's, that's, it's a lonely, it's a lonely world. I mean, that's, I mean, you've been in both spots, so I can see you seeing a fight and seeing both sides and be like, man, that guy does not want to be, he doesn't, he wished his job never came to this point. And, and you also understand why these people are so angry. So it's like, it, yeah, it's so hard to stand there and be like, Oh my God, they're both scared. Like they're both reacting to this moment. Yeah. I, I feel like that for people too much. I have too much empathy to be like, like, I feel like uh, people like Putin and, and, you know, like Trump have to be like such madmen that they don't have to care about nobody else. You know, I mean, except themselves. That's why I'm like, I see a fight between a cop and like, you know, a civilian. I'm like, oh, man, like, yeah, like neither of them want to be here right now. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I, I don't think Putin would ask anyone to do something that he himself wouldn't do. I mean, he was a KBG agent. Yeah. I'm sure he's assassinated a few people mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, whereas Trump is just just a a big bully. And yeah. he's always I, I feel like if you ever went to school with him, he just kind of used his size just to like smother you. Oh yeah. And, yeah. I grew and, up in New York. I knew loud mouth like that all the time. Like you throw that, you throw an insult at that guy's way and he just crumbles. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's like all right, whatever, man, I don't want to be here. Like he's like, he's like that. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's just, a, he's just a bully. I, I don't think he would ever get his hands dirty. He'll never pick up a weapon. He'll never stand a post. No. He never take orders. No. I mean, he went, as I understand it, he went to a military, um, 
uh, boarding school, oh, but yeah, that, that was because he was a, he was such a little asshole to his family. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, the, the guy, the guy's a sociopath and, um, but, but he would not do, he he's, he's a chicken hawk. That's yeah. what, that's how, that's what we call him. We call him a chicken hawk. Yeah. He'll, he'll have other people do his bidding. Have you ever seen the movie, uh, American history X? Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah he's, he's the chicken hawk, yeah. uh, from that, uh, from that, from that movie. He's the guy that gets all these other people to do his bidding, mm-hmm. but he'd never get his hands dirty. So, uh, Putin's legit though. Putin yeah. is a for- formidable foe. And so that's why this is a little scary. Yeah, that's, no, that's what it is scary. And, and I, I believe the reports like he's like unhinged right now. I'm like, yeah, he, I, I believe that. I'm, I'll be, I'll be tiptoeing. Uh, but about you, I want to, I want to talk to you a little bit about like you know, because you mentioned very briefly, like you know, you, you grew up now with a lot of income, so that's why you had to you know think about the army as a way. I want to know a little bit about your family and and where they came from and stuff like that, because that's usually like the origin of like you know. Everybody's like, where your family from? So tell me a little bit about, about, yeah, about your mom, pops and stuff like that. Yeah. So my mom, my, uh, my mom is from Mexico and she came in like at 16, 17 years, years of age. And, um, uh, I, I really didn't know my biological father that well. Um, she ended up uh, getting married and my biological, fo- I mean, my, my father, that the one that raised me, right. right um he's from el paso originally from el paso he's hispanic though but i think he's like three four generations in okay but but my mom was the one that raised me and she's you know from mexico from the hills up there you know she's a hillbilly from chihuahua (laughs) and so just grew up in the mexican household man okay did she do you know how she came here uh she came illegally she did she had to walk everything yeah um i came illegally with her a couple times so oh you did yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was born here, but then we went to go live in Mexico and then, you know, whenever she'd come back, uh, you know, I, I crossed the river with her. Oh my God. I just, yeah. Cause yeah, she couldn't fly or anything. So you would have to make the journey the way she made it. Yeah. Yeah. I just go with her. We, you know, cross the river and just, you know, and it, it wasn't very, um, it wasn't very, frowned upon back then it's kind of like skipping the metro you know it's yeah. like, like <laughs> yeah, pretty shitty yeah. but yeah. no one's gonna hopping care style yeah back yeah, yeah. Back then it was hopping the turnstile yeah um, yeah so when was this yeah. like when, when when was this i used to come 80s uh, this was in the 80s how old are you i am 38 38 okay okay yeah a little older than me but yeah those damn those five years man for us millennials because you're still like a millennial actually so those five years makes a world of difference yeah. Yeah. The thing I am a millennial. I feel like though we, I forgot there's like a little wedge um, generation between millennials and, and, and who came after that? Z, the Z, yeah. yeah. The Zennials. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think we're like, we got the best out of it because, you know, we got to play outside. Uh, we weren't into our phones or anything. Yeah. I got into phones right when I right when I was like 17 or 18, which was like the perfect age to get into phones. Yeah. But before then, it was all we were all analog. We played outside till forever and you know, we broke bones and we got into fist fights behind the school and and then we got suspended from school and then we got sent to alternative school. <laughs> <laughs> I doesn't think too like you're right. Like we did. I, I personally think us millennial uh un- like well, you you grew, you were born here, but like us undocumented millennials, like 
the older ones, like who grew up in the 80s and 90s, remember kind of like an immigration system that wasn't that like restrictive yet. Like you said, you walked back and forth. I remember like the day I left the ER, I just went to the airport with an, with a passport that was about to expire in like four days. And my mom was like, we better take advantage of this before it expires. Like it's like it was bad milk. You know what I mean? She's yeah. like, let's get there. You know, so it was very like it was a very different time the and you know 9-11 changed all that yeah 9-11 did screw everybody over um i mean i remember a time when no one really cared about their status people had the opportunity to fix their status uh arreglar papeles they say and they didn't do it for for um for laziness um you know i had aunts that were married to u.s citizens and Mm -hmm. they never fixed because i mean they just didn't want to be seen as getting married for fixing. I'm like, are you serious? You have grandkids with this guy. No one's gonna. Think, <laughs> no one's gonna think that you got married for the papers. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, that's such a shame. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I get it. I got, I got married, and and unfortunately, man, that that sucks when a marriage ends, and then that's part of it, because then it makes you, yeah, it makes the other person feel like that's what you used me for. But your grandma's like got grandbabies already at this point. You know, yeah, dale, dale. right. Or or a lot of times it's like, well, you know, what's what's the point of, of uh, getting married? You know, we've been together for 30 years and, and uh, I think a lot of it is just pent up resentment from like Latina women that their husband never like proposed to them, but they got together. (laughs) And so maybe, I don't know. Um, No, I think think that's what I've been with my girl eight years now. I think, uh, I think at this point she's not expecting a ring. She's just like, man, if he does it, he does it. You know what I mean? Especially Latina women are like that. Yeah. Yeah. You said you're married. I've been with my girl eight years, and at this point, she just went like, "Listen, we're we're just together now, like that's it." You know, in Texas, um, I get a lot of couples like like that that um they come to the office and they fill out my questionnaire about you know their history and all that, and under spouse and all that, the they'll put no, they don't have a, a like a no, but it's like a squiggly no. Yeah, and I'm like they probably they're shacked up with somebody and i'll ask them i'll be like hey so <laughs> you're, you, you put that you're not married but are you estás juntado? are you with someone and they're like no i mean i live with this person and i have kids with them and but no like we're not married and i'm like when you guys go to parties do you introduce your lady as your wife or as your girlfriend and right off the bat, they're like, no, no, she's my wife. I yeah. told people she's my wife. I'm like, congratulations. In Texas, you're married. And because we have common law marriage here. Like oh, you don't shit. have to, you don't have to have a piece of paper yeah. to get married or to be considered married. In yeah. Texas, as long as you cohabitate with someone and you tell other people, hey, we're married, you're married. That's it. That's it. And that's it. And and uh, I tell a lot of people, I they find out for the very first time that that they could be considered married but it's very interesting to see like that news how it works yeah. with the women and the men like yeah. when they're thinking they're like oh shit i thought we were being safe this whole time and uh oh God, we accidentally had a pregnant had a marriage yeah they, they start asking me questions like what about my food stamps yeah. and what about this because i tell them i'm single and yeah. all this stuff and what about my taxes i'm like there's rules for all that don't worry about it but you can fix for her or she can fix for you. If you guys and, become uh, common law, you, you can you can help each other fix your status if you're common law at that point. Yeah, because marriage is a creation of the state. So immigration laws are federal, 
but they don't determine who's married and who's not. They only have to uh, make sure that the person is married consistent with the laws of their jurisdiction. So if you're married in Mexico, you got to be married consistent with those laws. If you're married in in um, Saudi Arabia, you have to be married consistent with those with those laws, short of a polygamous marriage, of course, okay. um, or a bigamous marriage. Um, so that's how they look at it. And Texas is freaking old school, man. It is so old school. And it's old school for, for a good reason as well. I mean, a lot of this stuff comes from common law. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the marriage laws are there to protect like pedophiles. That's 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 the that's the crazy part. I mean, you, you could, you know, impregnate a, a young teenage person. But if you get married with them, then prosecution is going to be very pretty much impossible. So it's oh. very easy. It's very easy to just, you know, claim here's the common law route. And we all, you know, we all skirt the, the, the pedophile laws, the statutory rape laws. So we do things very old school down here, man. Interesting. Wow. You know, I, I saw that common law as like, what a great thing. And then you're like, but this is how people abuse you. You're like everything, everything. It, wow. That's amazing. I had no idea about that. Yeah. It, it benefits a lot of, um, it benefits a lot of women, I think, too, in the sense that, um, you know, you can be with a successful man and you could have like raised his children and right. taken care of the house. And if he never married you and he tries to dip out, um, I mean, you can split the community property and they're going to say, well, we were never married. We never I never signed anything. It's like, really? You just get affidavits from everybody at the parties and everybody at <laughs> seen you. He called me his wife. He told me he loved me. Yeah, I get happy. Yeah, that, that yeah, is that, great. You introduce her as her heina. That's your heina, bro. You yeah. told us that's your heina, so you got to split everything. Okay, now I'm back. Because before I was like, oh, the, oh, but now women who get screwed over by rich men. Okay, I got that. I like that one. Okay, now we're back. Wow, that's crazy. All right, all right. So, so you're saying like your mom raised you in, in El Paso, right? Yeah, I grew up in El Paso most of my life. Like, what kind of schools did you go to? Did you just, like... I, I went to... I'll tell you what. I went to a school in the ghetto called Robert E. Lee. So... Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's that's the crazy part. We all thought he was this great person, and then I started learning about history, and I was like, holy shit, this is oh what he did? God. Um, I am literally having debates with people on TikTok about the fact that they're like, you know... People of color are indoctrinated and raised to hate white people. I'm like, no, the opposite. We're raised to love white people. We're raised to believe they're all amazing no matter what they did. And then we have to educate ourselves into what really happened. You know, and that that's 100% correct. And I have to really um, step back myself because you, you and I are pretty much genetically the same. I'm just a little bit uh, uh, paler. Yeah. And, and, the treatment is very, very different. I, I, I've never really, I never really um, experienced or been cognizant of white privilege until I just started doing like a mental inventory of all the things that have happened in my life. Yeah. And, and um, I feel like compared to my friends that are, that are, you know, they're Mexican too, but they're, you know, they're, they're darker skin. I feel like I really got a pass on a lot of stuff just because um, I could speak a certain way. I could really fake the, the vernacular to be, you know, appropriate depending on which environment I was in. And I also have happened to be pretty articulate. So 
if you speak white and you look white, man, you can go under the radar and that sweet white privilege, man. I, I can see why a white person would not trade their life with a rich black person or a rich yeah. brown person yeah. because I'm gonna I mean, this out. <laughs> yeah, you you can write that 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 white privilege out, yeah. and it's the it's the same thing in Mexico, man. Yeah. It's the same thing. A lot of people think Mexicans are coming here and all this stuff, and they'll say he looks Mexican. It's like not really. It's just that in Mexico, indigenous people have had a a a socioeconomic disadvantage. And they're coming over here to, mm -hmm. to gain opportunities because where they're at, I mean, it's taken over by oligarchs. And you know, look at look at uh, Mexico's version of Hollywood. It's all blonde haired blue eyed actors. And yeah. look at all the politicians. And so I think there's more um, misogyny, and I think more racism in Mexico. It just it's just so, so much more subtle, and everyone just accepts it. Yeah. Over here, it's like. Over here, it's like it, it's it's like a it's like a zit that popped already. Over there, it's just like under mm. you know like like under the surface. No one really knows what's going on over there. Like, and over here, it's like it's out in the open. We're trying to rectify things, and we can talk about it. But I think in Mexico, there's a racism that's just really it's just accepted. Yeah. Like, who cares? Like, it's accepted. That's the way things are. If they consider you an, a dirty Indio, then that's what you are. And you accept the jokes and you accept the stereotypes. That's and over here, over here, at least, you know, at least 60% of the population feel like something has to be done. But in Mexico, I think it's like everyone just accepts what it is. But if you go to Mexico, I mean, you're going to find a lot of people like me, yeah, a, lot of, a lot of more uh, Spaniard-looking people. And they just accept the fact that they're God's walking on in, in, in Mexico and they don't give a flip about coming to the U.S. Yeah, I was um, shocked about that when I actually saw Roma, like I didn't know what it was about and, and I clicked it on. And the first thing I was shocked at was the fact that they were like European white people in Mexico, like they were Mexicans. And I was like, I'm more used to seeing that because I have uh, my stepdad's Mexican and like, you know, I have you know uncles and aunt, step aunts or whatever. They're, they look more like the servants in the movies. So I was shocked the fact that they had European looking white dudes and women in Mexico. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, this colorism is so I mean, I, I don't really watch novelas like that. Like I did, but I didn't realize that it was that prevalent like that. Yeah, it, things are still very much segregated, but they're not segregated in a way where it's like, you know, Indios over here and then, you know, Espanoles over here. It, it's not like that. It's it's much more in depth and people just accept it they no one cares to ask why why are the indigenous people like mm -hmm. uh not compensated or they're not being um their rights are not being protected their lands are not being protected um you also have the fact that we've kind of like met like we've we've mixed in so a lot you know all of us are indigenous in a way in mexico yeah, yeah. and all of us are also white which uh, which you know you you ever see that that um that TikTok channel, uh, what's his name? Uh, his name's Lance, um, Modern Warrior. Yes, 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 yes. You know, he, he talks about colonizers and everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I feel like I can't even like, like I couldn't even align myself with him because he, he probably looks at me and he's looking at a half colonizer. <laughs> yeah. You know, I feel I feel like, uh, what's his name in, um, oh, the, 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 what's the name of that movie? The one with um, Black the guy Panther? played Lincoln. 
Oh, I think no. you're talking about Black Panther, the one white guy in Wakanda. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, Daniel no, Day I mean, Lewis? But, um, yeah, Daniel Day Lewis. Um, what was it? The Last of the Mohicans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, which I think is bullshit that they casted a white guy to play a half breed. They should have casted someone like me or someone that really is, you know, a half breed as yeah. they call it. Um, but but no, you, you you end up feeling like that because now people are looking at you a certain way, and they're and then like I get confused because in my mind when I grew up, I always thought I was brown. Like yeah. for some reason, in my mind, and I get pissed when people be like, because that was people's go to insult for me when I was little. When I was little. Um, and my hair was clean, not greasy like now, but, you know, I looked a little brown, a, a little blonder. And um, that was people's go to ins, uh, insult. White boy, shut up, cracker or whatever. Oh, my God. And and I thought it was just dumb because I'm like, come on, dude. Like, I speak Spanish better than you and your yeah. family. Like, I don't understand. But, um, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. I feel like um, I feel like I have no like I got no party. I got no culture. It's like. I'm here or there. I'm right here with you, man. I'm right here as as a Dominican dude. Like, I I feel yeah. Growing up, like I wasn't Dominican enough, and then you know I'm in this weird skin where it's like I'm not the lighter skin Dominican, and then you know other Dominicans who look like like you know like Sammy Sosa and well like how Sammy Sosa used to look and <laughs> Big Papi, you know what I mean? So people were like, yeah, it's just, I'm in this weird mix, never enough Dominican, or or sometimes when I be telling a story, I'm too Dominican, so I'm like, damn it, like I can't freaking. Ever, this is it's so frustrating. It is so frustrating growing up in America, and and having this other nationality that that you you want to identify with, but you're just never enough. That's the maddening part about it. That 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 I also had to be like you and kind of like accept the fact that I did have some privileges too. Like I'm not the typical undocumented person. You know, I'd be walking around the streets of New York City speaking. You know, my my slang English. It wasn't even like you know accent. It was slang, and people were like, oh, he looks like a light skin black dude from you know from queens or whatever it don't matter so i had my privileges too that helped me not be harassed as much as like other people which took me a while to acknowledge that yeah exactly i think people always look um they'll look at something to differentiate you um i, I lived in north carolina for a few years and it's a different type of environment and i didn't even know there was like like uh i'm not gonna say racism but there are stereotypes within like the African-American communities, like the, like the lighter skin ones and like the jokes and stuff like that mm-hmm. about the lighter skin uh, African-Americans and, and, and the other African-Americans will say, and I, I never, I, I think it just shows that we as a people, we're always going to find something in another group of people to just um, either poke fun at them. Yeah. But then when tensions uh, get, you know, uh, when, when things get rough, then then instinctively, I think we kind of become a little racist ourselves oh. instinctively, because I always I always go back to think I'm like, because I worked in a, I worked in a jail and and I and I and I try to think in terms of like, well, let's say let's say I went to jail, let's say I got framed or something and then I went to jail. Um, I mean, who am I going to go with? I'm obviously going to go with my people. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'll, I'm not going to try to be like the token white guy in, 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 uh, in, you know, like I'm just going to go with my people. Cause that's my culture and all that. We happen to look the same, but I think instinctively we have more compassion and we give more benefit of the doubt to people that are like us. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. I think we, we, I think instinctively 
you know, if, if we're, if we're in a jury and we're trying to assess whether someone is telling the truth, I think that we instinctively are biased. Not, I'm not even going to say biased. I think we think we know our people better than anybody else. Yeah. And we could tell Mm -hmm. if this person is, is uh, telling the truth because it, within our culture, we have a manner of speaking. We have our own mannerisms. We have our own, our, our, our own ways of doing things, things that other cultures might, might find misogynistic, for example. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's very important that you get tried by a, a jury of your peers. And it's very um, sad that sometimes the jury of your peers is not necessarily your peers. For example, we have a lot of uh, first, second, third generation Americans, uh, Latino Americans, but they have nothing to do with the people that are coming fresh from across the border. I and had I think a third generation Hispanic just call me a dirty illegal on on YouTube. And I was like, your name is Julian, like Julian, like Sanchez, something like that. And he's like, hey, man, I'm just saying, you know, my parents three generations ago did it right. And it's yeah, I get it, man. There, there, there is there is no right way, to there be is. honest. I mean, there, there is absolutely no right way of doing it. I mean, uh, the the original settlers, um, you know, they came in, they found the land and then everybody that came in after that invaded the country. And then we had a series of racists um uh federal decisions that said that you know uh indigenous people are just savages and they don't have a concept of ownership yeah whereas they actually have a they had a better concept of ownership in that the the world belongs to everyone it belongs to every animal it belongs to every person yeah and, and because they couldn't they couldn't um describe uh indigenous people could not describe ownership as the european would describe it federal courts gave if gave white people the the or europeans gave them the opportunity to just steal these lands and go back on a lot of treaties and a lot of their words because they're saying you made a deal with a savage and savages don't know so we're gonna go based on the law of conquest if i saw it it's mine first and i have to exact my domain on it and indigenous people don't know how to exact domain because they're savages. They don't know how to own things. Wow. And when you read those decisions, man, they're freaking disgusting, man. They're, they, they're, they're disgusting. And that's where all of that comes from. And, um, you know, the property laws, um, it comes from basically screwing someone else. And that's the story of the United States, yeah. screwing someone else for their stuff and getting cheap labor, whether it's African slaves Chinese railroad railroad workers, braceros that 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 came in to save the economy when we were fighting wars. Yeah. And later on being sent back and called wetbacks when when all the troops came back. I mean, that's the story of the United States. And right now we're doing it. Right now, it would be there would be huge losses if you just gave undocumented people the same rights as everybody else. There'd because be losses, you saying economically? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, undocumented people contribute to Social Security. They mm-hmm. don't take anything out. They contribute to income taxes. They don't get money back. You know, forty percent of the of of Americans, forty percent get money back. They get money back 
uh, because they don't make enough money. Yeah. And the United States has figured out these, this is, this is the population that is not going to save the money. They're just going to spend it. Mm-hmm. It goes right back into rich people's pockets. By the way, I have an accounting degree and I used to own a tax practice. So, <laughs> so yeah. I'm also poor and I know how it works. So here yeah. we have a great team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you, I got $6,000 and I got 40 bucks left. <laughs> exactly. Poor people spend their money. <laughs> exactly. Immigrants don't get that money back. No. They, they, they don't get it. They Immigrants are coming here to support the 40% of people that the, that that mostly are against them. It's like the ultimate con, oh, the shit, ultimate con yeah, job. I just realized that, yeah. And by the way, I just started being able to collect taxes two years ago. Before that, I had to like, I was using some other stuff, so I couldn't collect taxes. Anyways, we'll get into that. So it's nice to get money back. It is very nice. Uh, yeah, no, it's in your, you, oh my God, you're absolutely right. Undocumented people who can't collect taxes, those go to people who don't may even make enough to get money back. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the ones that are, that are uh, showing up to the Trump rallies, a lot of them. You know, because that's the other misconception that, you know, it's minorities that, that are draining the economy and all this stuff and, and taking all the, you know, <laughs> economy. It, Sorry, it, it, that. you know, the, the biggest recipients of welfare are not minorities. Yeah. It's the majority. And uh, immigrants are subsidizing you having all these kids and not being personally fiscally responsive. It's immigrants. So you should just thank them for doing the jobs that you don't want to do and for paying for a lot of the, a lot of the money that you get back at the end of the year. It's, it's, it's not as bad as slavery, obviously, but again, this whole, I think the whole American mentality has always been like, it's very zero sum. It's like, what do we got to screw so that we can get ahead? It's the only reason why we're a superpower. I mean, it's the only reason uh, I'm going to do a dissertation on this. I mean, racism made us a superpower. Yeah. Racism gave us the Civil War. The Civil War gave us advances in military technology that put us in perfect position to be giants in World War One, and which led to World War Two. Um, it's 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 our greed that has that has that has made us very competitive. And I say us I, because I do consider myself an American. Yeah. Um, I, I hate the fact that a Trump supporter that's too fat to join the military that was only born here is trying to teach me about tax laws, immigration, and being a patriot when, you know, uh, literally I all those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got titles and all those things. I have a doctorate in laws. I, I practice in immigration law. I see how the stuff works. Um, and I've literally fought for uh, our interest abroad. So, I mean, um, oh, it, it's, it's really um, – do you play any sports? Uh, I used to play a little, a little baseball, but not much. I mean, think of a, think of a, a professional baseball player, a professional baseball player and having someone that is a parent of someone that plays peewee and has been to a few games trying to talk to the professional baseball player about how, uh, baseball works yeah. and, and, and theory and stuff. That's what I get online. I get people trying to teach me about the, the constitution, about, immigration policy about economics i'm like literally i got titles in all those areas i've worked boots on the ground i'm a practitioner in laws and we're in the age of trumpism where everybody is an expert and yeah yeah that's what that's where we're at To, to say i don't know something is like taboo some people find that to be like 
I, I find I find great power in somebody going like, do you know this? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. School me. But people are too afraid. Said they want they want to be the expert. And and yeah, you're absolutely right. It's and by the way, I will say this because I just have one more question before uh, before I let you go. Uh, I have to say this comment. I hate I hate the term Trumpism because it is once again showing how lazy he is that he comes up with nothing and just puts its name on it. It's called racism, okay? It's just called racism, and he comes along, and it's, it's Trumpism now. I'm like, man, you've just been racist your whole life. That, that's my little side stand-up comedy bit almost because I'm just like, yeah, he comes up, a building gets built. It's Trump. Racism was there. It's Trumpism, like, uh, whatever. But I get, I get why we needed that ideology to be put in a nutshell, because when you can name something, it's very much like, oh, that's the that's their ideology. It's 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 that nutshell. And they don't even have an ideology. Their ideology is just anti-Democrat. Oh, that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's their platform. Anti-Democrat. I mean, Democrats are trying to uh, give some kind of reprieve to the Ukrainians. And now because of that, uh, we have a lot of Republicans backing Russia and talking about how Putin is just a strong leader and. And he's never hurt them and 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 you know thing, things like that yeah um i'm like are you just literally going against every single thing that democrats are That's are it. you know and i think it's i think it's a runaway train that not even trump can control because remember in the beginning he like started with the whole anti-mask yeah. anti-vax and all this stuff mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he's like he's like you know get the vaccine i got yeah, it yeah, yeah, all this stuff. yeah. Ooh, you know, we're going to preserve your beautiful rights. Yeah. And people are like, no, we're not going to do it. You know, it's like you see in it. You see it in his eyes when he's talking. He's getting booed. He's like, holy shit. What did I just start? Yeah. What I gotta, the hell did I do? He has to stay and in character. I, I think Trumpism is going to take over Trump someday. Yeah. And whenever Trump comes to realization, whenever he's behind bars and cuffs and and he's going to be begging for his for for clemency right because yeah. whenever he gets sentenced i think a lot of people are going to be like that's not trump that's yeah. not trump um oh it's, it's some it's some, an actor it's some jewish robot controlling him inside his brain or believe something. me i'm the real trump oh my god that'll be his living nightmare <laughs> yeah Arvin, before i let you go i, I just have one more question because like you know you're saying you, you you've served you're a lawyer you do all this like I got to ask you, because I think you'll be able to tell me better than anybody else. Do you have hope for the future of this country? Oh, absolutely, man. This is the best country in the world, for sure, hands down. Um, we, we haven't done the best, mm-hmm. but we have uh, a very solid um, system. And um, I guess it's more wishful thinking than anything, mm-hmm. because, um, you know, I've really... I mean, I've, I've literally fought for the country and, 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 uh, I practice law. Um, I think there is hope for the country, um, short of Putin nuking us. Yeah. I, think we'll, I think we'll be fine. If Putin yeah. doesn't nuke us, I think we have a few, we have a bright future ahead of us. I agree with you, man. I'm, uh, I'm very, very critical, but you know, only cause you wanted to live up to those, to those ideals. You know, I, I see, I see the, the possibility if everybody genuinely got a chance, like the way they say that everybody should. And I, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. Well, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll give you some uh, uh, and what I think is going to happen. And we can circle back in like 30 years and you could tell me if I'm right. All right. But just studying history, I think in the future, 
um, the Republican Party that we have right now, this disinformation party, and just really um, apathetic to the plight of minorities that feel like everything is like good now. I think those people are going to be a dying breed, much like the Jim Crow folks are a dying breed, mm-hmm. uh, are extinct, we'll say. Well, apparently not all of them, but most of them. Um, I think in the future, there's always going to be conflict, right? And I think people like me, because I consider myself a moderate, I think people like me are going to be the future fascists. Right? <laughs> you know, people like me are going to be, the, because I'm like, man, drop me 100 years from now, yeah. and people are going to be looking at me, and they're going to be like, you know, look at that fascist. He joined the military yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, he couldn't use the proper pronouns and stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. you know, because I mean, I am on the liberal train, yeah. but I'm like on the back seat of that liberal train. I'm not like, you know You're what I mean? The I get you. I get so, you. So, so, so everything's kind of moving in that direction yeah. I'm into being a progressive and all that. But um, I think, I, I think in no time, the party that, that we know right now, that's, that's just, it's just fueled by, by fear um they're gonna they're gonna die off they're gonna morph and they're gonna coalesce and be part of the current uh progressive moderates and and that's what and and that's the history of everything you know Mm. a party dies and then the party that takes over new factions start start you know uh pollinating inside and and um i think moderate democrats i mean we're gonna be uh we're going to be targeted eventually, but first we got to get rid of these hemorrhoid uh, Republicans. <laughs> that is true. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not even going to argue with that. That one. Hey, Amen. Uh, thank you so much. Any any uh, before you go anywhere that you want to uh, anything you want to promote or anything any organizations or anything that people can check I, out. I those? want. I, I just no. You know what? I am very blessed in in um in in my business life. I I I'm in addition to being an attorney, I do other things. So I'm I'm kind of like good in that sense but what i do want to promote is um people always trying to seek truth and and research listen to the um experts um and get get various opinions listen listen to the experts listen to the numbers and um the world is not as dark as the media makes it seem both left and right they mm-hmm. make it seem very very bad i mean i live in in maga country i mean Outside my door, all my neighbors are all Trump supporters. But you know, we 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 get along fine. If I need help, they'll help me. If they need help, I'll help them. So it's like, you know, we we shouldn't play too much in in hating people over yeah. politics. It should just be like a small part of us. But um, I, I think I think we're gonna pull through. Yeah. But I just I do feel we should give each other as Americans the benefit of the doubt. You know, and, and going back to what you said in the beginning, you know, a lot of these clients you work with who have like workers or even a wife or whatever that they're trying to get papers for, you know, it might seem like, hey, they're only doing it because of somebody close to them. But that's how it works. You know, that's how it starts. It's it's, you know, you know, meeting people and sharing lives with them and sharing moments with them. And they start to realize, oh, my God, this person's not that different. Seriously, they're not yeah, that different. at all. Yeah, th- that's the best. That's the best, by the way, whenever you have like a Trump supporting uh, client and then you give them bad news, you know, you bring them into your office. It's the husband and the wife. And you're like, hey, um, this didn't get approved. Um, they didn't see enough proof of uh, bona fides of the marriage or, or something. And in, and in the end, they really want to know what's going on, like like because they want to make sure that I didn't mess up. Right. right, right, right. It, must be, it must be the attorney. And right. I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to be le- I'm going to level with you. USCIS 
discriminates against Colombians because they feel that a lot of them engage in fraudulent marriages. Mm. And they, they feel that you being 50 and she being 30, there's a difference. So they're going to look with a, with a, with a, with a microscope. Mm -hmm. And the, the, you can see it like the wheels turn like, and, and they want to say something like that's racist. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be right, but they can't understand. That yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah. And it's the same thing that happened Wait. to me when I was in law school and yeah. I was reading these decisions yeah. and like immediately I was like, I felt so stupid, but you know, that's how you combat racism, man. You, you, you mix people in. I mean, yeah. you, you get to work with other people, you go to visit other countries, you know, that way you're not afraid of, of that, which you don't know. And then when someone you love, like your, you know, your, your cute Colombian wife, it, when you see that they don't want to give her status because, you know, there's a big difference in age. Um, and the country just happens to have this bad rep. Yeah. And then, then at that point, I mean, things will get, that's when people really um, when, when they realize that, that they're on the wrong side of things. When, when, when you yourself are being affected, then, then I think you should use your white privilege to help those people that are, that are disadvantaged. Exactly. And I see a lot of it. I, I, a lot of Trump supporters, a lot of my Cuban clients, I tell them jokingly because a lot of Cubans they will come in and the government doesn't want to give them status. Like they're doing a lot of bad things against Cubans. Yeah. And I tell them, look, I'm going to fight. We're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to threaten them with lawsuits. I mean, I'm going to get red in the face. I'm going to get in their face. And, and I tell them like, but do me a favor, man. Just do me a favor. Don't move to Florida and be a Republican. Please. <laughs> Please. I give him a lot of shit for that too. Armin, dude, thank you so much uh, for, for talking to me today. And, uh, and this episode will drop soon, man. It was, it was an absolute pleasure, dude. It was a pleasure ch chatting with you, and we'll stay in touch, man. Absolutely, no, man. I'm going to follow you more, uh, what you're doing on TikTok, and we'll, we'll figure something else to do. Appreciate you, man. Dude, take it easy. You too. This has been a Drop Tent Media Production.